Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Homemade Family on Insight Now. We are Nathaniel and Amy White, and we are excited to talk to you guys today about shaping our kids' worldview. Yes, indeed. Just a reminder that you can listen anywhere that you can find podcasts like Spotify or iTunes to search for Insight Now, The Homemade Family. You can also watch or listen on our YouTube channel, search for The Homemade Family, or on our website, www.ithehomemadefamily.com. We are excited to be with you guys today. Again, we encourage you to comment or leave us questions now or later, and we will come back and connect with you on those things. And if you have ideas for topics or things that you're curious about, go ahead and shoot us an email or comment on our video. With that, let's jump into talking about shaping our kids' worldview. That's you. Yes. All right. So what in the world is a worldview and why does this matter? <laughs> um, why would this be a topic that you would even want to listen to? Um, and the reason is because your worldview, like the word says, is how you view the world. It is literally um, what shapes your understanding of reality. Your worldview is what you believe is real. And so just as an example, uh, if you were a born and bred Hindu, you would believe that karma is real, that what you do in this life is going to affect the next life that you have, that you'll die, be rebirthed, and like reincarnation, it's real. That's your worldview. It tells you that it's real. And then because you believe that's real, that's going to dictate certain behaviors down the road, um, like how you treat people and whatnot. So, um, and it gets more complicated than that, but I won't go into the de details on it. Um, but for us, we want to make sure that we as parents, that we are the ones shaping our kids' worldview instead of them going out into the world and having teachers or daycare providers or friends TV, or TV TikTok. and media, TikTok, <laughs> shaping their worldview, right? Yeah. Determining what they believe is real and, um, and then literally everything else in our life, our value systems and our behaviors and our, I, our understanding of what is good and right, all of that gets built on top of our worldview. And so um, this is a hugely powerful piece to, to parenting and to raising the kids that we hope our kids will be as adults. Mm -hmm. So that's, that is the, the what and the why of parenting. Ultimately, when this comes right down to it, it is because we want our kids to be the ones influencing the world rather than the other way around. And if we put in the work, we understand how to shape our kids' worldview, then we can make sure that our kids are going to be the ones influencing the world instead of the world influencing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to remember that our kids are born knowing nothing. nothing. Everything that they learn along the way comes from somewhere. So it might as well come from you. Yes. <laughs> I remember when our kids were born and I was like shocked that they didn't even know how. I mean, we were we were putting kids under Billy Rubin lights and we're sending out text messages asking people Pray that our son poops. <laughs> These were not text messages I ever thought I would be sending or prayer requests I would ever have. 
but I mean, kids are not born knowing how to eat. They're not born. They're born not knowing how to sleep. They're born not knowing how to poop. Like they, they literally, they know nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they kind of come as a blank slate, not knowing how to eat or even poop. And we then get to help to shape their thought processes and how they're going to interpret the world. That's right. This is so powerful. So powerful. Um, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Got a little lost there. But um, so one of the things that that means, one of the implications of that is that as as you are just going through life with your kids, um, it's important to remember just how much they they don't know unless you teach them. Um, for example, if you sit down to watch a show with them, you are having two different experiences. You sit down with a show to watch a show with your three year old or your five year old, you're having a different experience than they are because you are coming in with at least a couple of decades of experience that shapes the perspective you you are viewing that show with. Um, not to mention that there's all kinds of mental development and at three or at five, they actually don't even have nearly the ability to d- distinguish between reality and fiction at, that you have. And so when, when some scary thing, I remember one of the first nightmares that any of our kids ever had was from watching Cars when Mater takes um, the Disney movie takes cars. Lightning McQueen yeah. out into a field and they go tractor tipping, and in comes the combine Frank, this big scary bull looking combine, and uh, and and our poor oldest son at the age of three or four years old started having nightmares because of Frank, this angry combine. It's like. It's an animated movie, but just that one simple thing was enough that like this is an example of we have perspective to understand something and they don't. Yeah, this is super good to realize too. Um, well, just finishing up that example uh, with the cars video and the bull coming in, like my child probably actually hadn't even had any experiences with cows or bulls or any of those things. So the whole movie honestly has no context, no cultural context, no right. worldly context for him to even filter that movie through. He has yeah. no grid. This is the first experience. Tractor tipping. He doesn't understand cow tipping. He doesn't understand cow tipping. He doesn't even understand so. cows. <laughs> And I think that that's really helpful to understand this and to remember this in parenting because I see so many parents attributing wisdom and knowledge and perspective to two and three-year-olds, like as if a two or three-year-old really has the intelligence to make the decisions and to guide the family the way that sometimes two and three-year-olds make decisions and guide the family. We attribute so much more to their mental capability than they really have because truthfully, they have not experienced any part of the world yet. And so that's why as parents, we really need to come in and to help shape these experiences that they're having, you know, temper tantrums or other things. Sandy Brew has given us a a clap there. Thank you. And a wave. Yes. Um, So, so it's good to remember that your child is not actually born already having these experiences, already having these knowledge, this knowledge, already having the wisdom or even probably any context outside of any experience that you've already taken them right. through. <laughs> just to, I'm sorry to hammer on this, but just because this took me so long to really grasp 
how much our kids didn't know. I just want to give one more example of this. I remember setting up the mobile that spins around and over your baby in the crib, you know, and you just start hoping that it, it, it lulls them to sleep. Like it occupies their brain long enough that they actually go to sleep. And one of the things that it said was studies seem to indicate that babies don't actually know that once they stop seeing something that it still exists. And so this mobile, because of the way that it was designed, it's like certain pieces of this are going to, disappear from view and then reappear from view and then disappear from view and then reappear from view. And it was supposed to reinforce this concept that just because I didn't see it doesn't mean it stopped existing. And, and you think of, okay, so your mom and dad walk out of the room, they lay you down in the crib and then they walk away and they're like, Whoa! they freak out because you stopped existing. You know, and obviously it's not reasoned out. It's not, it doesn't even have language because they haven't learned language yet. But, um, but even just the concept of that, that that sort of thing has to be learned and we get to be the ones who teach it. Yeah. So one of the ways that we do this is by helping them interpret their experiences, like the movies that they watched and um, at older kids, like how are we going to help them interpret what's happening in the news and in the world today? These are actual every everyday things um, that we walk with and help them to experience um, through the lens of the cross and through the lens of wisdom. Right. <laughs> so go ahead. Yep. So um, we want to take the rest of our time to give you how do you shape your children's worldview. Hopefully this is all kind of laying a foundation so that you can see clearly that you really do have a role in, in shaping this and that it is important and that it's powerful when you lay hold of this. And so we wanna take the rest of the time to shape, to teach you how to do this. Um, and the first and most important piece of this, there, there's, I don't know, most important, we'll see. But the important. first piece of this, I know they're all kind of essential pieces, is is a principle we call the principle of first mention. And this is something that you see in scripture. It's something that, that comes up in a lot of different places. But the principle basically says that whoever presents in new information to you, you will perceive them as the authority on the subject. Um, and you'll measure the, the second, third, and subsequent other subsequent voices on the subject against what the first person said about it. So if we are the ones who introduce the subject of Jesus to our kids, and we lay this strong foundation of Jesus is real, and Jesus is alive, and Jesus speaks to us, and you can be his, and he is with you all the time, and we lay this foundation, then later on down the line, somebody else comes in and says, ah, Jesus is a philosophy or Jesus was just a good man or Jesus is just a made up story. Then they'll be like, no, he's not. Actually, I know him and he speaks to me right now. You know, then it, it just, it doesn't have power to come in and uproot and change their worldview because we already laid that foundation. Mm -hmm. So it's all principle of first mention. Um, and that's what it means. And what we, what we want to do then is we want to intentionally be our kids' primary input. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that really just starts with conversations. Um, 
when we decided to send our kids to private school, not even public school, but private school, we sat down, Nathaniel and I, and we're like, what are the things that they're going to encounter when they go to school? This is what they're going to encounter. You know, people talking about sex, maybe um, other relationships. Like we like literally made a list of everything that we could think that they were possibly going to encounter clicks and rejection. And <laughs> and yep. then we just began having conversations on purpose. Like, hey, when you go into here, here's probably some things that you're going to encounter. Now, how are you going to handle this? And then when they do go in and encounter that, they're like, oh, yeah, mom and dad told me this is what I would hear and this is why. And, you know, I, I just think about myself growing up and I did go through a public school system. And somehow I made it through all those years of science and chemistry, and I still came out believing in creation instead of evolution. And this is part of the law of first mention. I mean, we learn when we're really little that God created the earth in seven days, and these are the things that he created and, and how he did it and when he did it. And um, so this law of first mention, what it does is it creates a net inside your mind or a filter. And then when other inputs come, they get caught in this net that says, wait a minute, this isn't lining up with what my parents originally taught me or what I what I know to be true already. And so how am I going to handle this new information? And it just really is good to be able to build some of those filters and those nets, you know, and help our kids even beforehand, like, how am I going to respond to this when it comes? And in fact, we're like, this is what evolution is. I mean, we teach them both sides of this story. We right. teach them heterosexual marriage and homosexual marriage. And why is one better than the other? You know, and why is homosexual <laughs> marriage not actually marriage? Yes, not actually marriage. And then then we have those intentional conversations. Um, obviously, my kids are a little older than some of you guys' kids, but really, this starts when they're little. Um, when they're little, when we just speak truth, this is the way yeah. God created things. This is the right way. This is, you know, someday you're going to have a husband or a wife, depending on if you're male or female, you know, like this is what makes a boy a boy and a girl a girl and all of these things. Yeah. So we're creating those nets so that when new information comes, it gets caught. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to insert this comment here, this is why part of why it's so important to be engaged in some of the current culture battles that are going on in schools of hey, we want to do sex education at five years old when they're in kindergarten. And this, and we want to introduce the subjects of transgender ideology. And we want to introduce the subjects that you can choose your gender. And in fact, you can even choose your species. Like if you want to be a furry and be, and you're a cat today or a bunny tomorrow, then you can be that. You can literally be anything you want to be mm -hmm. um, if that's what you think that you are. And uh, I, I mean, you, you, you give those kinds of statements to somebody who, to a five-year-old who lives in their imagination anyway, um, those things are going to feel very real and very true. And they're very deceptive and damaging and harmful to those children. It is child abuse to, to be giving those kinds of teachings in that way to kids of that age. But if we as parents can still even then be the first voice that they hear, um, then we can help safeguard and protect our kids from those harmful teachings. I still think we need to be engaged in school board conversations and things like that to make sure that those those conversations aren't being had in school board in school uh, situations with kids that young. But regardless, know what your school is going to be your kid's school is going to be teaching them. And if there are things that are contrary to your value system, 
get in ahead of time. Yeah. Okay. So that was kind of the law of first mention. I know we kind of got off on a little bit of one of our hot button topics. Um, but the next thing is to manage the inputs. And um, you this guys- This is still under principle of first mention. This is, yeah. Oh, the principle of first mention. I see. Yeah. But managing their inputs. Uh, I know that YouTube and TikTok and um, Netflix and all these things are just so easy. And the kids even know how to get to them way better than we do. And it's like- Disney you Plus can is a great think, babysitter, isn't it? <laughs> you can think like, it's okay. My kids can watch this. But I think really- in those young ages, we really need to be watching with the kids because this is a, a form of input that's coming into their life. And we don't know every show that they watch and what the effects of that are. Even when our kids were really, when our kids were really little, we didn't watch Thomas the Train. As good a show as that is, as fun as that is, we didn't watch it because we felt like they were always complaining and they were making foolish choices that got them into trouble. And we didn't want that to be like the precedent or like that they would be seeing and hearing this all the time. Now, when our kids got a little bit older and a and bit they, more discerning and a bit more discerning, we did spend plenty of time watching Thomas the Train, but not when they were really little. And that was just a decision that we made based on like, what is the fruit of this? And what are what concepts are underneath the surface, just in, even in that they complained so much or that yeah. they made foolish choices that led to scary situations, you know? And so I know it seems a little silly to, and, and tedious maybe, but it's really so important because we've got to be careful what messages, the what, what inputs we're allowing into our yeah. kids to influence their thought life. Yeah. And when your kids are really young, you just make those decisions for them. Yeah. This is not a discussion. This is not a conversation. This is not, this is not a, is it okay if we take this show away? Like they like the show. What are they going to say? No, no, no they're going to throw a temper tantrum because you just put them in charge. Like, but no, again, you need... are the parent. You be in charge. You make the yeah. decision. You make the choice. Now, as they get a little bit older, say a few years down the road, our kids are really into Legos. And the big thing then was Ninjago. Um, there was even a movie that a Ninjago movie that came out and we watched that. And we used to watch the, the uh, it was a Cartoon Network show, whatever, but we, I don't even remember how we watched it because we didn't have Cartoon Network, but we've, we watched it anyway. And, and we were watching these Ninjago shows but what we noticed was after every single show, our boys would run off and go be violent. Mm -hmm. It affected their behavior and it affected their mindsets and it affected their attitudes and their aggression and their it just, it, it, it changed the atmosphere of our home. And so eventually we were like, hey, we're, let's not watch Ninjago anymore because, yeah. and, and then at that point, they're old enough, we sat them down and we, explained our reasoning to them and and we didn't just say hey it's not a good show we said hey do you notice what happens every time we watch it and we brought it into their experience and their observation and then and it helped made it make it real which will help bring us into the next um the next point but but basically we didn't just dictate at that point we brought it in to train them in their own discernment and their own decision-making. Mm -hmm. um, why don't we just jump to the next Okay, I'll just jump in. So how do you shape your kid's worldview? The first thing you just got to understand principle of first mention. Second thing 
is tying lessons to their own experience and to God's word. Um, and the reason that the, the, this is really, really, really important, like if you don't do this, you won't have anywhere near the level of success um, because the science of worldview is that worldview is shaped by our experiences, not by teaching. Um, just a very basic, quick example of that is you have two boys who grow up, um, one grows up with who are friends and one grows up with like the perfect dog, beautiful dog, very loving, kind, gentle, helpful, smart, whatever. The other one, Mm -hmm. yeah, you got a lassie. And the other one at some point in growing up had been mauled and attacked by a dog. And now these two boys are going to school together. They get off the school bus, they're walking to their homes and they see a dog coming towards them down the street. They're, they're experiencing the exact same experience, but their, their experience of it is dramatically different because one is like, come here, puppy, puppy. And the other is like, run for your life, you know? Um, And it's all based on experience. So their experience is what dictated reality and then their perception of their current situation. So um, you could talk to that one, that one boy and be like, no, this boy is safe or this dog is safe. No, this dog is safe. No, this dog is safe. And it wouldn't feel real until there was an experience of that dog being safe. Um, so that means that whichever teacher first comes along who is able to tie their teaching to your kids' experiences, that teacher will become your child's voice of truth even if it overrides what you taught them. So if you are able to tie your teachings to their experience, you will be their voice of truth. And then somebody else coming in, it's not gonna, it's not gonna override your voice. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you wanna give some examples of what do we practically do to do that, to tie things to their experience? Yeah, so, um... We worship at home on purpose. Uh, You guys, a lot of this, I I feel like I want to jump to this first. It says, um, this is from Deuteronomy 6. I can't remember which verse, but it says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You guys, a lot of this is just as you walk through life, you know, like your toddlers running down the road, you ask them to slow down, uh, please walk. They trip on a big chunk of something and skin their knees and cry. Yes, we give them comfort, but then like, let's talk this, you know, hey, mommy, remember how mommy asked you to slow down? And this is why mommy asked you to slow down because I could see that this was coming. And, you know, like here's tying this to an experience, you know, later in life, you can talk to your kids about other behavioral things. But, you know, some of the things that we do on purpose is we worship at home. Um, And then we don't just worship, like sing the songs. We actually then ask them the questions like, did you feel God's presence? How does this make you feel? What do you notice when you worship? Um, Just had an example with one of my sons this morning was really crabby complaining about everything. And I was like, hey, (laughs) like, do you see what's happening here? How do we shift out of this? crabby mode, this complaining mode. Well, gratitude is the opposite. And so we sit and we walk them through. And then after we did that, we compared the experience. 
how did it feel beforehand? And how are you feeling now? You know, when we draw those conclusions or those experiences together with truth, then it can help them to actually make those wise choices later yeah. in life. Yep. So, um, you know, there are a lot of intentional actions we do, but the key to tying it to experience is debriefing those actions with your kids. So we worship at home. You don't play the guitar. You don't play the piano. You're a horrible singer. Fine. Put on YouTube. There's so much worship music the out radio. on YouTube now. <laughs> Put on the radio, whatever it is. Like, I know. Does anybody listen to the radio? I'm sure people do. Um, but, but just turn on some worship music um, and, and worship along with your kids. Do some soaking exercise. Like, hey, we're going to soak. What does that mean? We're going to sit here and turn our hearts towards God. We're going to think about Jesus while we listen to this music and we're just going to be still and quiet. Where, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? You know, okay, we're not going to touch each other. We're going to lay still. We're just going to ha have quiet time for five minutes. You know, you can do this with a five-year-old. You just got to set some guidelines and boundaries and don't do like three songs in a row. Do one, you know, like, so you can do this in small bites with young kids. Um, but we worship at home and then we ask them, what, what their experience was. When we were worshiping with our kids, we'd say, you can sing, you can dance, you can color a picture, or you can sit and look for a picture that God wants to give you. Or no, what was it? You can play an instrument. You can sing, dance, play an instrument, or you can ask God to give you a picture and color the picture. But you've got to engage with this. And then we'd get done with the one, two, maybe three songs at the most. And we'd ask them, did you feel God's presence? What did it feel like? Was it joyful? Was it happy? Was it exciting? Was it peaceful? Was it heavy? Like, like, did you feel his weightiness? Um, and we just, it, it becomes experiential. Um, we pray at home, you know, you're tucking your kid in, just put your hand on their head, on their shoulder, you're rubbing their back and just begin praying over them and blessing them. And then ask them, Hey, did you feel God touching you when I was praying for you? You know, um, ask them, uh, we, we teach our kids to prophesy. Um, we'll prophesy over each other. Sometimes we'll, we'll be praying about a specific situation and we'll ask them, Hey, let's sit and ask God what he has to say about this. And, and we have them share. And this is an experiential thing. They're hearing God's voice. And a lot of times uh, we'll actually bring this in. I have this as a separate point, but like, um, include them in major family decisions. You know, you're considering changing a job, you're considering moving, you're considering whatever big thing, have them pray about it too, because it will help them see that they matter and that their voice matters and that what they say is important to you and that they can have a real relationship with God that actually has substance in it. And um, at one really cute example of that, when we were considering moving, well, we were moving and we were, we, we knew we were going to be doing a number of moves before finally settling someplace. We didn't know how much to put in storage, how much to take with us, those kinds of things. And so we were asking our kids, Hey, let's ask Jesus what he says we should take with us. And so we did. And our three-year-old at the time, Ezra pipes up uh, and he points to a sign on our living room wall which decorations were really low on our list of things that we thought we needed to take with us. But he points to that wall and he says, yes, Jesus says, take that. And it was a sign on our wall that says, love lives here. And he didn't know what it says. 
he, he had like, it wasn't something that was a frequent topic of conversation and he couldn't read. And so it was like, we knew he was hearing from the Lord. And so we, we took the sign. He actually made a family decision at three years old because he'd heard from God. And we were able to point back to that a number of times since then and say, look, you do hear the voice of the Lord. Look, you do hear the voice of the Lord. Those kinds of things. Oh yeah, we are. We're out of time. Um, so just really quickly, other places we do it, we talk about their experiences when they're disciplined or when they did something wise and responsible, like, hey, you did this that you weren't supposed to do. How'd that work out for you? Not very well? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe wisdom works, you know? Like, oh, you did this. That was a really good choice. And look how good things worked out for you. Like, your siblings felt loved and your relationship grew and you know, we point out experientially, you made a good choice and good things happened. Wisdom works. Um, uh, you can you can do this even helping point out other situations around you. You've got some family or friends or somebody close enough to you. You can see these are the choices somebody else made and these are the consequences of it. Um, positive, negative. Either way, same kind of thing. You can talk about, look, these people are making some some choices that are against what God says we should do with our lives. And you can see they're not happy. They're not fulfilled. They're hurting. Um, like, is this the life that you would want to have? Are these the outcomes you would want happening in your life? And they're like, no. Like, okay, well, what that means is we actually need to choose to live according to God's word instead of according to our will. <laughs> and then we find people also who are making good choices and you can see the hand of God and the blessing yes. on their life. And we tie that to, hey, look, these guys are, you know, they're loving God. They're trying to follow his lead. And we're seeing the, the blessing of God on their life. Here's an experiential, real people that you know that are doing things right. And you can actually see the fruit of that. And we, we will compare just to sit down and be like, hey, let's look at this and let's look at this. And yeah. which way is working? And why do you think that is? And how do you think that, that um, you know, things could change if, if these things changed? And, and just to really actually help them to see to weigh the fruit of it, to interpret what's happening through the lens of the word of God, which we, you know, start pouring into them at young ages and through their relationship with the Lord. So um, I love this one. So um, let's just cover it quick. You know, the other thing even is like kids throwing temper tantrums in the store. Now I have five kids and when they were little and I took all five to the store, it was sometimes very traumatic, but <laughs> but, you know, even at that age, they can see another child throwing a temper tantrum, screaming, you know, I want the candy, I want this. And we would actually take that moment, not to judge the parent because I get it, I've been there, but to ask our kids, like, do you think, does it look like that child's happy? And this isn't like a, does it look like that child's happy? <laughs> that mom isn't doing a very good, like, no, you're not no, doing no, no, this no. loud like, in really their quiet, presence. Like, you know. this is, yeah. You're doing it Pull in a respectful aside. way. And and with a with a matter of compassion. Like oh, for sure. always with compassion yeah. towards your kids. Like, do they seem happy? Do they look like they know that they're okay? Well, you can see that it's loving that mommy and daddy draw boundaries for you because that actually helps you feel secure, you know? And so yeah. we we actually say say that to them too, helping them to see 
Um, and even now, even our teens and their friends get together. I mean, my daughter is a babysitter now and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you guys disciplined us. Like I can't even babysit the kids that haven't been disciplined. And and she will make discernments about that or decisions about that. She'll and give up money making opportunities because she's like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not they worth don't it to go understand fight boundaries these kids or listen for, to these things yeah. and, and anything. So it's really great that our kids can see the fruit of boundaries and living life for the Lord and by his word and with these structures and yeah. how that has brought fruit and blessing. So tying and, it in. And there's, man, there's just so many different ways that you can do this. Yeah. You know, you, you, the, the kids are having bad dreams. You listen and then you, you treat it like, Hey, this is actually spiritual reality happening right now. Jesus will come and he'll comfort you. And they feel the shift when you pray for them and you take authority over the situation and you command fear to go in Jesus name and you release the peace of the Holy Spirit over them and that peace comes and it washes them clean and they go and they return to peace and they sleep. And they then later on, you teach them to do the same thing because they've got the same authority, the same Holy Spirit, and they feel the shift happen when they pray. The Again, the, the point of all these examples is you're tying your teachings to their experiences so that this shapes their understanding of reality. Yeah, that God is real, that he moves, that their prayers are powerful and effective. And when they start with those basic foundational truths and they they know and experience the love and the power of God and and see this good fruit in their life, then that helps them to have a really good worldview when the world comes in with things that aren't true and then they're like, oh, wait, but I've actually experienced and I know God. And yes. so I can I can discern now that this isn't the right thing for my life. I can see the fruit of where that decision leads me. And it's backed up by my experience of both the grace and the discipline of the Lord. You know, it's yeah. so good. So just the, the quick recap. We actually had one other brief point of just visiting and revisiting testimonies. Uh, th this is all over the Bible, you know. I, that's all I'm going to say on that. But visiting and revisiting testimonies, when you see God do stuff, we, we went after miracles, uh, praying for women to conceive who'd been years and years in trying. Um, and all of a sudden, the mo the majority of the list has babies now. Mm -hmm. And um, and and so we share those testimonies and we live on those testimonies and we recite those testimonies. and We remember those testimonies. We meditate on those testimonies. We, we, we bring them up because, again, this is these are living miracles that they've seen with their own eyes. Um, so you, you want to shape your kid's worldview because everything that is in their life flows out of that. Their values, what they believe is good and right, their behavior, all of it starts with their worldview. And you can shape it from a very early age through the principle of first mention. You want to be the one introducing things to your kids and guarding who else is introducing concepts and teachings to your kids? Um, and then tie those experiences, tie the lessons and teachings that you're giving them to experiences that they're having and to God's word. Mm -hmm. um, and just to encourage you in this, if you didn't hear it and catch this through all of our examples, this is going to be something that you have to repeat a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so don't grow weary in it. Keep after it. Just keep going. It's going to bear good fruit. There's a verse in Galatians. I think it is 
that says, don't grow weary in doing well at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, you will reap a harvest. Sometimes it might seem like, when is that going to come? The seasons actually happen faster than you think. We've got two teenagers who act more like adults than kids. And it's because of this. So, yeah, just stick with it and don't feel like, like, oh, I'm missing it all the time. Really, this is a lot of this just comes with everyday life. Like that verse says, when you're coming and going, when, when you experience anything, just talk about it, (laughs) talk it, talk about it, you know, and with your kids so that they can get the perspective and the wisdom and the understanding and the knowledge when things are going well and when things are going rough or not so well, like just keep talking about it and always um, pointing them back to, to Jesus and his word. So, yes. So Jesus bless everybody who's watching this, listening to this, give them eyes that see these opportunities in the everyday moments of life. Yes. to raise their kids up in shaping their worldview and uh, and raising up a godly generation for you, God, in Jesus' name. Bless you guys. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you next Friday. We'll see you next week. Bye.